Hey everyone, Coach Megan here. And if this is your first time listening to the Powerhouse Podcast, we are so glad that you are here. So welcome. Today, we're going to be continuing our conversation in this incredible series called Understanding Your Emotions. Now, this is obviously very important because each of us have thousands of emotions every single day, and I want to help you understand them. So today, we're going to be talking about the very spooky emotion of anger, and I think it's really an important one to unpack. Maybe anger was shown in your family in a really malicious way, or maybe anger was shown in your family growing up in a more passive, aggressive type way. Well, we're going to talk about all that today, warning signs, coping mechanisms, and of course, how to get free. So let's dive right in. Well, what's up, everybody? I'm so excited, as always, for this episode. And this particular emotion is incredibly real to me. Because as an Enneagram 8, and we'll talk about the gut triad in a second, and a member of the gut triad, 8s, 9s, and 1s, this is something I I have dealt with in my life is the emotion of anger. Now, I want to preface this by saying (laughs) I'm not not a crazy person. I'm not somebody who has ever, um, I would say, had anger issues, but... Um, inherently with different parts of our personalities, depending on your natural bent and depending on what Enneagram type you are, as well as other temperaments and layers of our identity and personality, anger does come more naturally to some than other people. And I think that that's probably kind of a a myth buster when you're really thinking about it right there. Um, I grew up always feeling the, the burning of anger on the inside of me when I would get upset. And, you know, when you're young, you don't have a scope of a perspective of, is this normal? Is this not normal? You only have what's shown to you through your parents, your siblings, and maybe the other trusted adults around you, or, you know, unfortunately, untrusted adults, just whoever's around you the most, that's who you're going to kind of morph into and also take notes from. So my mother and I are the same personality. She's a very healthy eight, um, which means she's a challenger. And we have the same wing as well, which means we both have seven wings, enthusiasts. We we also have a nine wing, of course. Um, If you don't know about wings yet, you guys can go to the podcast on um, the Enneagram, where I interviewed two of the greatest Enneagram experts in the the world. I was going to say the country, but even the world, Jeff and Beth McCord. I think it's episode 46, I want to say. So go back and listen to that. Your wings. Um, think of them as flapping on either side of your base so they are there to support you and help you so every eight has a nine and a seven wing Um, it goes all the way up to nine and then we go back to one so like a, a nine base has a one and an eight wing but naturally through your upbringing you just naturally develop one more than the other and so I was raised in a very happy healthy home thank god and you know every family has their issues every family has their disagreements um And so did mine. Nothing huge, praise the Lord. But still, even with a really happy, healthy home that was full of enthusiasm, um, which is why I believe that I have that seven wing much more developed because we like to laugh in my family. Um, It's amazing how we still can carry these, uh, I don't know if issues is the right word, but we can carry these misunderstandings, we can carry these communication issues where our scope and our perspective of how to deal with the natural tendencies that are maybe a little bit more negative, potentially negative of our personalities can go um, underdeveloped 
and sometimes unnoticed. So in my family, um, like I said, we didn't have a ton of disagreement, but almost with that, uh, because we didn't have anything really tumultuous, you know, my family, my parents are happily married. I, I love my siblings. You know, we definitely fought. We're all about 18 to 24 months apart. So we for sure fought and blamed things on each other and, you know, smacked each other every once in a while. Um, the most quintessential one that I got in trouble for as a typical middle child was I was literally on a different like side of the planet, AKA house. And my sister blamed something on me and I got in trouble and I wasn't even in the vicinity, but you know what? That is just your typical family, right? My point in this is if I can grow up having some, what I'm going to call blind spots to how to deal with the primary emotions that we feel. And, you know, we've talked about envy, we've talked about hope, we've talked about indifference so far, then you can imagine, um, what, a more tumultuous or traumatic environment, or let's say that you've walked through some hardship in your life, the layers of hurt, the layers of miscommunication, the layers of what makes you feel safe, what makes you not feel safe, what makes you feel understood, what makes you feel heard or not, um, when you have other life experiences that are not positive layered on top of that, can form some pretty serious issues. Now, I just want to say this again. I am a life coach, but I am not a counselor, so I'm not giving you mental health advice. Um, Go see a licensed professional for that, but I am giving you um, coaching help of how you can coach yourself back to a more positive future. You can uh, rewire your mind for success using the self-coaching model, and you can learn how to understand your emotions, which is why this title is called Understanding Emotions with the lens of anger today. So just want to say that disclaimer, I'm not giving you medical advice. I'm not giving you mental health advice. I am giving you advice on how to manage your mind and manage your emotions and coach yourself um, to hopefully help you achieve your dreams, get you out of some places that you're stuck, and use my life experience of the things that I've been able to coach myself into and out of, as well as all of my clients for the past five years. So now that that precedent is sent, I want you guys... uh, is set, not sent. (laughs) I want you guys to think of um, how much you deal with anger in your life. So give yourself a quick one to a 10 in your mind. Um, I want you to just visualize and think of the time that you were the most angry. And don't worry, we won't stay here because I realize that that can be something that you don't want to think about. So um, I have my thing in my head, a couple things, (laughs) you know, times when I've been betrayed, times when I was controlled, times when I was walking through the hardest times of my life in a really abusive situation. And I can remember those feelings. I can remember, um, you know, emotions start in our bodies before sometimes they, they become conscious thought. So I want you to think back to that time right now, just for a moment, um, but view it as if it's somebody else experiencing it rather than you experiencing it, okay? So look at that person experiencing that. And I guarantee you, as you're thinking about that, it's starting to create an emotion and it's, you're starting to feel it in your body. So for me, I have felt anger in my legs, my arms, my neck, my chest, sometimes my belly. It'll feel like I have just a belly full of knots. Um, and actually fun fact, the definition of anger is a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility, antagonism, or rage. So, um, pretty comprehensive, right? Um, so now let's, let's undo that. I, I, first and foremost, I just want you guys to be able to come up with one or two words, or let's say a phrase that can describe that time. So just take five seconds real quick, then we will move our minds to something else. But I want you just to lock in on that feeling really quick. 
So what did it feel like in your body? What were your thoughts like? What came out of your mouth? Where were you? What was the situation? Okay, perfect. Now we're going to go to our happy place so we don't leave us there and you're not setting, uh, you're not priming your mind to listen to a podcast (laughs) in a really negative state. Um, State is physiology and psychology. I teach that in the Interview Mastery Academy. It's really, really important. We go super in in depth to that. Um, If you are a competitor of some kind, pageant, sports, you know, whatever, it's very, very, very important for you to control your state, again, your physiology and your psychology at all times, because that is what basically manifests the results that you get. If your physiology or your psychology are off, you're not going to have the passion, the energy, the drive, the motivation, or the positive psychology to be able to want to do anything with your life. And then you get stuck in the cycle of shame or all these different emotions, um, angry at yourself, shameful of yourself, anxious that you're not doing enough, all these different things. So really important that you prime your mind for success and go uh, reach out to us at info at powerhousepageantry.com and we will get you on the wait list to join the Interview Mastery Academy in the future. It is the best thing out there. I created it because it didn't exist and I was like, yo, when I was competing, I wish I had this. So that's what leaders do. You just create it yourself. Okay. Okay. So now we're moving back to our happy place. So we've thought, we've categorized kind of that emotion of anger. Now I want you to think about the happiest time in your life. I want you to think of where you're at, who you're with, and what you're doing when you're the least stressed, the most productive. Productive can also be like productively resting. And like I said, who you're with, where are you? And I want you to feel it. I want you to treat it like the theater of a movie. You're you're in a movie theater, which don't really exist anymore, um, or you're sitting in your man cave and you're watching the most incredible movie of your life ever. What is on the screen? Who's around you? What are the smells? What are the tastes? What are the sights? What do you hear? What does it feel like? Do you have your toes in the sand? All that good stuff. Okay, now take a deep breath. One more. Okay, perfect. Hopefully you're a little bit more relaxed, not thinking of that bad thing. But okay, so now that we've kind of reprimed our mind to be in a, a good state, a neutral state, a positive state, at least neutral, but hopefully positive, um, I want you guys to go with me here. So we're just going to talk about me because I don't want you to go back to that mental space. But as you can recollect from just a couple minutes ago, how did that feel to feel that emotion of anger in that place where you're the most angry for even a couple seconds? I doubt it felt great, right? I bet some of you guys could start to feel that in your bodies. Maybe your throat clenched or you know clenched up a little bit. Maybe your tummy started to bubble, feel gross. Um, maybe you started to have that threat response, that fight or flight that started to come up because you were thinking of that experience, right? Well, that's how anger works. And again, go to your happy place. Think, detail out every single part of that. Oh my gosh, this is me at my happiest. This is when I felt the best about myself. This is what I was eating. This is what I was doing. You know, maybe it's you with your favorite martini or maybe it's you on a run and the most beautiful, you know, along the beach or something like that. So if you ever get triggered, for lack of a better term, um, while I'm talking about this, then just go back to your happy place or take a pause and you can come back to it later. That's totally fine. Because I understand having gone through trauma in my life and um, I really believe PTSD too a little bit 
that I've since um, healed from and, and worked through at least 99.9% the best that I know how consciously. Um, I realize that as you're healing from these things and sometimes addressing them for the first time, it can be a lot. So I just want to encourage you to go at your own pace and give yourself grace and give yourself an abundance of self-love and just, um, yeah, a lot of grace, you guys, a lot of grace, mercy and grace and kindness to yourself. Um, because this is kind of a weird, a, a weird thing and a tough thing that we can talk about sometimes. Okay. But, uh, going back to my point earlier, so anger is when, when we feel anger, whether it's internal, whether it's externally processing anger, um, a myriad of different things, which I have kind of a fun analogy for you guys in the second, which I think you're really going to like, and you're going to start thinking, oh my gosh, I know a person like that. I know a person like that. I know a person like that. Um, but we all respond differently to anger, but anger is a response to feeling a perceived threat and anger itself isn't a problem. It's how you handle it, right? Cause you can't stop that emotion from always coming. Like, yeah, we can control our thought life, which produces emotions as much as we can, AKA self-coaching model, right? Thought, emotion, action, result. But if we're not perfect, which none of us are, at stopping every single thought before it becomes an emotion, then you're going to feel some feels. And so considering the nature of anger and how we manage anger and what we do when we're confronted with somebody else feeling angry or, you know, or ourselves feeling angry and our ability to process those and the actions and the words that we speak and the actions that we take, from those feelings of and the emotion of anger is the most important thing and that's what we're going to focus on today but all in all let's say that that emotion pops through those thoughts pop through and you're like I am angry you feel it in your body uh, maybe you, know, you start to release cortisol and adrenaline I definitely can like tell you when I'm feeling that way it also um can, you know, can, can be confused with just a stress response but it is a perceived threat so maybe your muscles tighten your heart rate goes up your blood pressure starts to increase, your senses might feel more acute, your face or your hands might feel more flushed. Um, th- these are all common causes um, of, or sorry, yeah, causes of anger, things that you feel. Um, but that's not necessarily the problem, okay? So being angry isn't always a bad thing. Being angry can help you to share your concerns. It can help um, protect you from certain things. It can help prevent others from walking all over you. It can motivate you to do something positive. But the key is managing your anger in a healthy way. Um, Now, I want to take a pause and say this, you guys. I am not talking, as I kind of share some coping mechanisms, warning signs, whatever. If you are in an abusive situation, okay, um, if you are being physically abused, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, sexually abused, um, these are not, and again, I'm not a mental health counselor. I'm I'm a life coach. So I want to speak very delicately to this. If you have... um, any inclination that you might be being abused in some sense, I want you to go talk to somebody and get help. There are a bunch of free resources online of, of hotlines that you can call. Um, otherwise, I pretty much think everybody should have a pastor, mentor, or a counselor in their life. I'm just being honest. We're all screwed up. <laughs> we all have our junk in our trunk. Um, we all have things that we're working on. And so I just want to level the playing field to say that you are um, amongst family here. And I have tremendous grace for people who are going through their things. Anybody who's willing to look their crap in the face and say, hey, I'm not perfect and I'm working on it, but I own it. Like I have the utmost respect and admiration. I don't know about y'all, but like for me, you want to, you want to get on my good side, seriously, own up to your crap and just truly be working on it. 
because that's the life that I live and that's the kind of people that I like to surround myself with are people who are real um, but also people who are willing to get help so if you think that you're in an abusive situation please do not walk but run um, research a way that you can safely um, reach out to people I realize that even during this time of COVID, there have been spikes in domestic violence and child abuse and things like that, which is just absolutely gut-wrenching to me. And I also realize that sometimes in domestic violence situations that it can be the scariest thing um, to reach out because you fear for your life. So if you are in a situation like that, that is going beyond what we're talking about today. And um, please research, and I'll try to put some stuff in the show notes. Um, I do know that a couple of my pageant sisters, even in Miss USA, I know Miss New Jersey USA is a huge advocate for helping with domestic violence. So she might be a great resource for you that you can reach out to on social media. And I'm sure that she would be willing to help. She's phenomenal and a great human being. Shout out to Gina. She's doing a wonderful job with her platform. Um, and there are safe resources and people who want to help you. So you're not alone. You're not alone. And you can do this. You can do this. You're worth so much more than somebody else treating you like trash. And I've been there. Um, so I don't, I can't always completely understand your exact situation, but I do understand what it, what it feels like to have somebody treat you like trash. Um, like you are just dispensable. So, um, just wanted to set that precedent too, before we get into all this, because that is taking something to the next level that I'm not qualified for. And that's perfectly okay. Um, cause we don't have to be good at everything, but I do want to help y'all. So this will still be super helpful for you guys today. Okay. So let's kind of set the foundation really quick. Why do, so we establish why we get angry, right? It's because of perceived threats. Number two is why do some people not get angry as much as others? Well, anger actually has a lot to do with temperament. And this is what I was talking about earlier that I don't know, like if it's just me y'all, but seriously, this was like crazy for me to conceptualize. And it wasn't until I started dating my current boyfriend who never gets angry and is like a perfect angel and feels shame um, because of his temperament a lot more. Whereas I don't really feel shame hardly ever. Um, Not something that I deal with, but I deal with anger. And this is why I love the Enneagram so much and why I do um, one-on-one Enneagram coaching with all of my one-on-one clients, because it really does help to unravel and unlock why you are the way that you are and why you do the things that you do and your natural bents and your tendencies when you're healthy and unhealthy. So going back to what I said in the beginning, people in the gut triad who are eights, nines, and ones, um, I wrote on here in my notes, congratulations, you're more likely to have this be an inherently felt response of anger, whether internalized or externally processed. Now, if you are in the heart triad, which is twos, threes, and fours, you're going to feel shame a lot more often. So that's helpers, achievers, and individualists. Five, sixes, and sevens deal in the head triad. And so since they're in their head, they deal with anxiety and fear a lot more often. In fact, I was just talking with um, a friend of mine this morning who was uh, who has dealt with anxiety from a young age and um, she happens to be a six and it makes perfect sense just because um, sixes in general are very thorough people. They are people who are always thinking worst case scenario and they're trying to prepare themselves for the worst. And so that can be their natural bent to get anxious and worry some about things. But in when they're healthy, they're incredible, like people that I would want to hire, um, people who are really great with details, project managers, people who think of all, you know, the A through Z things because they are thinking about what could happen. Whereas I'm not wired that way at all. So I want to say this from a lens of we can appreciate people's differences and we can love, 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 love them for their differences. And just because you're in a different triad doesn't mean that you don't deal with anger. You don't get angry. It just might not be your initial response. Like for example, people who are twos may not 
outwardly express anger, but twos go to eight when they're unhealthy. And so they can adopt some of the more controlling elements of people who do manifest anger very quickly, but that would be like pushing them to their absolute breaking point. So for people who are naturally more peacemakers, so threes or twos or sixes, um, which is very characteristic of them, or even nines, who is the peacemaker, it doesn't mean that they don't feel anger. It just means that they feel it in a different way and they may not manifest it until like absolutely positively you have gotten them to their wits end, okay? So here comes some fun facts though about people who are in the gut triad and if you know somebody who's in a gut triad, chances are is if you're not in the gut triad, you probably have someone close to you who is. So this will help you to understand them so much more and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, Coach Megan, this makes total sense. And I'm going to be like, dude, I know that's why I'm here. Okay, so let's start with eights. I'll call myself out. Um, Eights are external processors of anger. Absolutely positively. I never used to be confrontational um, really actually at all. And it's crazy because it was a learned behavior where my family, since we didn't have a lot of conflict, whenever we would have conflict, we'd just kind of like blow up and walk away and then we'd be fine like an hour later. And like genuinely we're fine. Seriously, we did. But we didn't really like confront the heart issue of things. Um, also, we, we, we've really, really healed as a family through the Enneagram because my mom is a fellow eight and it was it's hilarious to us as a family. Now we joke about it all the time because she and I used to get after it. And she and I were the ones who were always uh, intensely talking with one another. And it's hilarious because for an eight, they need like stimulation in their brain all the time, which uh, is why I have books all over the place in my office right now where I'm recording this. I love to learn. I'm always listening to podcasts. That's why I have a podcast. I love knowledge and information and wisdom. And eights need intensity. Like they thrive off of intensity. It's why they're usually CEOs or C-class level people, um, which means like CFO, COO, whatever, because we love control, but we also are just naturally like driven leader type people. But on the other side of that, it can be very intense for people outside of us who don't live with that kind of like off and on switch of like absolutely positively the most passionate person you've ever met in your life or I'm sleeping (laughs) basically. So my mom and I would be having these conversations that other people would perceive as like, oh my gosh, you guys like I'd be crying for years, (laughs) you know, again, when I was like a teenager and like a 13 year old, probably entitled little whatever. And my mom and I would just, well, you da 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 da, and you da 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 da, da. and like not even necessarily yelling, just intense, you know, and just really like get into the hard issue of things, and then we just walk away. If we couldn't, you know, if it was a stack like a, a stalemate, we'd just walk away, and then like two hours later, we'd be fine. And you know, sometimes we we'd say sorry and hug and whatever, but but genuinely, like we'd just be fine. And then my sister would always try and butt in the middle of it. My dad would, you know, not really say anything. And then my brother would sometimes get in the middle of it. And so here I'm going to explain to you why this is going to blow your mind, okay? So eights externally uh, process. Nines internally process. They feel anger, but they are internal about it. And they very, very rarely feel the need to actually speak up about something. But they do get angry and they do have a silent opinion about everything. Ones, it depends, okay? And I'm going to share with you three examples of a really quick analogy that's going to blow y'all's mind. Ready? So an eight is an external processor. They are like a fully shaken pop bottle that you open and it explodes everywhere. Okay. And again, eights does, it doesn't mean like you should be afraid of eights. Um, they're actually very, because they have a seven wing, uh, a lot of times, or they have a nine wing, right? They, they have one of the two, um, healthy eights 
very rarely will like be screaming and yelling and like you know fearful and like actually oh my gosh like they have an anger problem right like the those wings actually balance them incredibly well so um something could be intense but also like for me I have a really strong seven wing so like it's very rare at all anymore like I can't even think of a time in the last year where I really like yelled or like got so angry that I felt like just it just doesn't happen I value positivity and optimism and granted I I like to consider myself a really healthy person but even if somebody has a nine wing like it's just going to be we're so independent that it's very rare that we're going to let something ruffle our feathers um to the point of where you know you'd need to be really mean to somebody but fully shaken pot bottle that you just opened okay so even if it's just confrontation rather than like exploding in anger nines nines are internal processors so they're like a pot bottle and it's fizzy on the inside but you wouldn't know it unless you stuck your ear right up to it or maybe like twisted the cap just a tiny bit and you heard that right you wouldn't necessarily know that it's angry but you can see the little bubbles on the inside of the pot bottle think of like a two liter okay you can see it and you're like oh there's something cooking there's something percolating in there but i just you wouldn't know it they seem like they're totally fine And then ones, it totally depends. So think of it like a pop bottle that's been shaken, but you haven't opened it yet. So you're really seeing those bubbles. You're like, there's a tidal wave in there. And I don't know if I want to open that can of worms because I might like get it, you know? So my brother is a one. My mom and I are both eights. And it was funny because growing up, it was always the three of us who'd be having these deep discussions. And ones are the moral perfectionists. And so they, when they deep dive and when they believe in something, they're very heavily drawn to church and government and um, oftentimes dedicate themselves to like a system. They believe in systems and structure and organizations very, 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 very heavily. Okay. So they're drawn to religious institutions. They're drawn to government. Um, Even like teachers could be ones, although a lot of times they're twos and sixes, but um, like a, a teacher who's a one, you know, might be a philosophy teacher who just like absolutely positively believes in philosophy to their core. And it's very, very hard to talk a one out of something because in their mind, everything is black and white in a completely different way than an eight. And they just, it's like live or die. I will die on the sword for what I believe in. And there is no alternative option. So you can imagine when you put two eights and a one in a room with a three, who's my sister, and a two, who's my dad, who's, uh, and twos are very non-confrontational, and threes are the people who love to poke their heads in everybody else's business, come to find out. It is the exact, when I read that, when I learned about the Enneagram and I read The Road Back to You, it, we all laughed our heads off because I'm like, oh my gosh, this just described our family to AT. And it was the most hilarious thing I've ever seen in my entire life because it was like, wow, there's not something like, you know, we're just a normal family. But like, I bet you could go through any family and go through the Enneagram and find the roles of who took what role as the, you know, protagonist or the person who's kind of in the background. Um, or they, you know, they, they say sometimes that triangle where it's like aggressor, victim and rescuer. Like, I, I just think it's hilarious how you can look at this now and be like, this is why so-and-so did this or so-and-so did this. And um, personalities manifest these these things in different ways. But my brother, my mom, and I are all part of the gut triad. And so we were feeling that anger and manifesting it in different ways. And then my dad and my sister just don't 
operate that way. They primarily feel, um, according to their personality, feelings more so of shame. And so, and that looks differently on everybody. Like a, like shame on a three looks completely different than shame on a two. Twos very much internalize that and feel it towards themselves. And threes very much feel it more so like shameful that they aren't meeting their own expectations. So I'm sure that you, your head is buzzing right now thinking of even people in your own life where you're like, oh my gosh, this describes this perfectly in my own family or my boyfriend and I or my coworkers and I or my boss is totally this personality. And you know what? I share this with you because we're all human, you guys. We are all human. But just simply understanding this has... Um, healed isn't the right word because it wasn't like anything was broken. Like we, again, very strong family, like love the crap out of each other, all that good stuff. But just knowledge is power. And when you have understanding in something and you can put language to something that has been a cyclical theme in your life, um, you can catch your trigger so much better. You can catch when you're being unhealthy and it breeds empathy and understanding and love for other people who might be operating out of anger unhealthily or shame unhealthily or anxiety and fear unhealthily, you guys, when they are manifesting something because why? Going back to number one, they had a fear triggered. They, they perceived a threat in an environment that made them feel afraid. So here's something that I want to kind of flip your mindset on. So you could have somebody who's, let's just, let's, again, I'll just use myself as an example. Um, the, the big bad eight, right? Whatever, the, the eights who express their anger externally, which again, healthy eights don't really. But for the sake of argument, I'll just pick on my personality type. So let's say that you have a big bad eight and you're like, oh my gosh, like I don't want them to yell at me or maybe your parents an eight or I don't want them to um, punish me or, you know, whatever it is. You're like, I don't want them to get angry. I don't want to piss them off. Well, guess what? By knowing that anger equals a fear response, a fight or flight response that's triggered because they don't feel safe and you can look to their personality and say, wow, well, eights don't feel safe when they feel controlled or betrayed. So what is going on in their life or what did I do that maybe made them feel controlled or betrayed or what else in their job or what else in their, their day could have made them triggered in that moment or what, what else has gone on in their life that could be a trigger spot for them that makes this, which is like a one out of 10, like an eight out of 10 for them when you're like, I literally just don't understand why this triggers them. You guys, seriously, when you know what the core fear and the core triggers are of the people around you and you can put language to it, it solves problems so much more quickly, okay? Um, my boyfriend and I had a conversation just the other day where something triggered me um, and not not really to anger, but just kind of a feeling of like sadness and, and just kind of, I was like, wow, I'm feeling like emotional right now and I don't know why. And as I was thinking about it and just talking through it with him, um, because like I said earlier, I've done a lot of healing work and just um, taken a lot of things to God and just been like, Lord, I don't, I don't really want to walk with this trauma and this crap anymore. I, I want to be healed from this. And within just moments, you guys, I was able to identify the exact trigger and to take the responsibility and the blame off of my boyfriend and to be able to say, hey, this is not you. This is like 80% me, maybe 20% you, but it's 80% me. And this is why I'm feeling triggered. And this is why I'm overreacting. And this is why I don't need to be angry right now, or I don't need to feel shame, or I don't need to feel, you know, anxiety right now because A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? So just knowing that anger was my natural bent, that B what my list of triggers were and C, being able to holistically look at my past and 
put the blame in a sense where it belongs, not on myself necessarily in that moment or on that person or circumstance which triggered me and just look at it objectively and be able to be like, yeah, I'm feeling the emotion of anger right now and this is unnecessary, but I still need to process this. Um, And it gives you so much compassion for yourself as well as for others. And it will help you to ask the right questions to unlock um, the normal version of that person again. Seriously, like uh, my boyfriend knows to ask me like, hey, babe, are you feeling controlled right now? Hey, babe, like did something, uh, you know, did something trigger you? Is there something in your past? And when you have even that one close friend, that one trusted mentor, that one trusted person who has who can be empathetic um, and also a safe place to talk to you. Um, about your past, you know, the things that you don't tell anybody else. It, it, you guys, it is so incredibly important because when you can be vulnerable, that's where healing can happen. So I just highly encourage you um, in that way. But also, like, I want you guys to think about those gut triad people in your life, if that's not you. And I want you to think about um, the ways that maybe you've just, like, totally not understood somebody and you're like, dude, can't relate, like, at all. And now maybe how this could help you to unlock some parts of you know, how God loves them and how God made them different, but you can totally like respect them and, and work to understand them, um, a heck of a lot better and see through their lens and kind of put on their lens for a moment to be a friend and to be unconditional love to them, which everybody needs y'all. It is so beautiful when you learn in relationships because you know, their personality type to take away that fear and immediately you can untrigger the fight or flight response and they come back to being a normal person. You know how satisfying that is? You know how amazing it is to know that like you got to take part in calming that person down and it took three minutes rather than three hours? Uh, yeah, sign me up for that, right? <laughs> so that's kind of section one and two of that. Why do some people feel anger and then why do some people not as much as others? I want to move and transition um, more quickly through this next section, which is warning signs of an anger problem. And then we're going to talk about processing these emotions in a healthy way. Um, we're going to talk about emotional detachment and then we're going to talk about some steps to healing. Okay. Okay. So warning signs of an anger problem. And I've already given you guys my disclaimers earlier. Uh, physicality, raising their voice, not even trying to process what they're dealing with, quickly triggered at everything, blaming, everything is your is your fault, doesn't take any personal responsibility, black and white language as in using always or never. So that's pretty self-explanatory. You guys can go listen to that a million times if you need to. Here's what I want to say to that. I wish, I wish that somebody would have told me to my face that they were noticing that these things were happening to me, that they were noticing that my identity was wasting away as somebody was trying to control me and mold me into the person that they thought that I should be. Um, And sometimes it's very subtle how somebody uses this like underbelly of anger to manipulate. So if you have a question, if you have a question, you're like, hmm, is this happening to me? Um, chances are it might be. And again, that's where I highly encourage you to go talk to a trusted professional, to go talk to a counselor, um, a great counselor, one that shares your values and and comes highly recommended, um, who can help you to feel safe and vulnerable enough to, uh, and properly, you know, creating a safe space for you to be vulnerable, um, and let your guard down to somebody. It is so important. You guys, I could have saved so many 
weeks <laughs> of my life, so many months of my life, um, which I'm grateful for. And we're past that. And it's beautiful. And God's done so much to help set other people free through that experience. But um, please take my advice. And if you think that you're being mistreated um, or if you're taking a hard look at yourself right now and you're like, man, I, I'm kind of manifesting some of these things, then I want to help you to process these things. And um, there are great books out there. That's why I read so much, because when God has revealed something to you that you need to work on and you bring something to light, he will lovingly and empathetically help you process through it and transform from the inside out. Change is possible. You can transform who you are. Who you were yesterday does not have to be who you are tomorrow, but it's your decision. And so I want to give you the right tools to be able to change and make you know, make the life of your dreams, be the person that you want to be, not the person that you don't want to be or the person that other people have told you that you have to be. Okay. So next section, we're going to move to processing emotions versus emotional detachment. Okay. So why I'm so passionate about this. So when I was in that relationship, um, one of the word curses that was spoken over me all the time was that I'm emotionally detached. And I can tell you, again, those moments when you're feeling these feelings of anger or feeling, you know, confusion or if you're being manipulated or you're in the presence of a narcissist, um, a lot of times you can know exactly where you were and what you were doing because the emotions were so strong, um, despite the dysfunction of, you know, maybe them manipulating your identity or whatever, you still can, can pretty greatly remember where you were and what you were doing and all that stuff. So I remember exactly where I was the first time I heard this term and I went and read it out loud. And I remember I was so brainwashed into believing that this was me, um, that I, I went and actually learned a ton about it. And so now I, you know, now I know a lot about it and you know, it, a beautiful thing came out of it. It's where I found the, uh, the dictionary of emotions, which we'll talk about in a second. And now, um, I use that with all of my clients to help them understand the emotions that they're currently processing. And uh, sometimes you, you make lemonade out of lemons and some really bad situations can become beautiful things. So I'm thankful for that. Um, but what is emotional detachment? So think of emotional detachment as not so much waving the white flag of surrender, but waving a brown or black flag that has so many colors mixed into it. It just turns into a kind of a poop color. <laughs> That's a total cry for help. Okay. It's where your mind is so done. It's so tired um, of processing emotion that it just gives out. And you just are like, you're just kind of dead inside. So I do believe that to a certain extent I was experiencing this, but also, um, it can come to the, it can go to the place, emotional detachment, where it's not just because you're a trauma victim or because something, um, has happened to you, but also it's like what sociopaths do when they are like killing people. So obviously there, there are two different forms of, and, and varieties and variations of how the extent of something is, but it's not healthy. Um, and again, it's triggered by a fear response. It's triggered by you not feeling safe. And um, how I experienced it was I orig- originally reacted in anger because that's my natural bent. And then when anger wasn't working to fix the problems and I was still being you know, emotionally and verbally harassed and abused, then my only other option felt like to shut down. And so I became emotionally detached in a certain capacity because I was so unsafe and I felt so incredibly unsafe that I was like this, my subconscious was telling me, this is your only survival mechanism. This is your only option. Um, and so uh, again, lemonade was made out of lemons, but I just want to encourage you guys, if you're on the verge of that, um, I wish I would have talked to a counselor. I wish I would have let more people in my world to let them know, um, that I was, that all my words are being twisted that the situations are being twisted, that I was playing, you know, I was living life completely just faking it, like everything was fine. And in turn, 
you know, God gave us a beautiful array of emotions to be able to understand what's going on and to be able to, to see life in color and to see life through the majesty of, of his creation and to see people, um, as he, you know, just, oh, I love people so much. And for that season, um, I was so depleted on the inside. I, I couldn't give, I couldn't live my calling to love on people and love people back to life. Um, and that's because I didn't love myself in that season. I didn't have enough to give. I was trying to pour from an empty cup and thank God that his grace was sufficient in that season to, um, still not disqualify me, which is ridiculous. Like that God is that gracious and loving to use somebody who was so broken. Um, but we're never going to be there again, home, homeboys and homegirls. And I'm so grateful that that's the past and that God can use even somebody like me <laughs> who's been through stuff um, to create a beautiful future, future and um, help people get free and get healed. So those are just some things to think about. Um, if you feel like you shut down because you have to and because the pain of feeling what you're feeling is too much or you've been harassed or you've been um, you know, put down for feeling some of those things, um, God wants to help you process those. God wants to help you process your thoughts and your emotions in a healthy way where you can take positive action. And you might need to make some hard decisions for some boundaries in your life. Um, but again, if anger isn't inherently wrong, it's just how we use it. And if, you know, certain emotions aren't inherently wrong, it's just what we do with them, how we manifest them. Are we bottling them up? Are we processing them in a coherent way? We'll talk about that in a second. Um, then you can just kind of assess that for yourself. Okay. So how do we process things? Um, let's talk about how you can invite healing into yourself today. Well, first and foremost, like we've said, Jesus is the healer. He's the mender of the broken, the restorer of the breach. He's your comforter, your shepherd, and your friend. It starts with allowing him in as a place of safety and respite. Um, I knew Jesus this whole time. I was reading my Bible. You know, I can pray with the best of them. Um, but I can honestly tell you guys that I was still hiding this part of my life from God. And I can say that he's the good shepherd all day. But if I'm not acting like a sheep and I'm acting like a, a bull with some horns and I think I know everything and I'm like, God, I'm good. Like, oh no, praise the Lord. We're good. Praise the Lord. You know, um, God can't, God can't work in your life if you're tying his hands and you're saying, no, 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 I got this. You can have my life except for this part. You can have my life except for this relationship. You can have my life except for this one thing. Well, guess what? It's probably the one thing that he wants to work on and that you need him to help you in the most. And I just remember the day when God became friend to me, and I can hardly say it without crying, but when God became father and friend to me again, and when he was the comforter, and when he was my protector, whew, that's, that hits more real than anything you guys could ever know. Um, and the fear, and I know that change is really scary, changing the way that you process things, changing your friend group, changing relationship status, changing um, you know, your job or, or an unhealthy environment that's causing you to feel anger more often than not. I know that's scary. I've, I've been there and I stayed in a situation way too long because I was so afraid of change. But you guys on the other end of that, even though it took some time to heal, my life now is so dang worth it. You guys, there's nothing like freedom. There's nothing like loving who you are when you wake up every day. There's nothing like knowing that you're in control of your life and that you can set boundaries and that you can say no and that you can build a life of your dreams because you are allowed to say no to toxic people and toxic situations. And it's like ripping off a bandaid. It might be hard in the moment, but you're going to be so free and so glad. Whew, I just want that for you. I want that for you, but, but 
that doesn't make you change things. You have to want it for you and know that God wants it for you. He wants you to feel safe and secure and to be prospering in spirit, soul, and body. That's his mandate for our life. He wants that. It says that in 2 Thessalonians. Okay, so here are some really practical tips, though. Of So we got the Jesus part, okay? Woohoo. Um, second part. So to properly process any emotion, one must identify and take away the fear that is currently present and making you feel triggered. Um, you have to replace it with a frontal lobe understanding, which we call rational thought. So your amygdala, which is your emotion epicenter, can't be freaking out and you inviting rational thought in at the same time. Your brain can't, can't be in rational thought and have a panic attack at the same time. So we have strategies to choose one over the other to stop the autonomic failure system and invite the autonomic success system to take over. If you, if you just look up, um, coping strategies for panic attacks, that's why they'll have you count. That's why they'll have you name things in the room. That's why they'll have you, um, do these different approaches that force you to have a more linear response in your brain, um, control your breathing because it's bringing you back into alignment where your emotions will be trying to tell you that you're not in control. Um, so this is really interesting. I want to see which one I want to say first. Um, let's say, yeah, this is just kind of a statement. Emotional detachment is a common bent for trauma or abuse victims when they have had such an unsafe environment for far too long that they shut down entirely. Maybe no one talked about things in your home, or maybe someone told you to be quiet and know your place as a child. Think back to when you were six to 10 years old and whether any of these things happened that could have established negative habits causing you to be more emotionally detached today. Something to think about. Okay. Here's another thing. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. So why are we so bad at processing emotions? Well, psychologists say that we understand anywhere from only five to 10 emotions only growing up, which is why I use the tool that I mentioned earlier, the wheel of emotions, Google it, print it out, put it on your, you know, bedside, put it on your office, wherever you are. Um, and it, I use this wheel of emotions to help my clients start to unpack and unravel the thoughts and emotions and really the emotional buildup that they're experiencing. It's also what I use to heal and grow and become the person that I am today. So you'd be so surprised, y'all. So it's got different versions have like either six core emotions or eight core emotions. And they have a bunch of adjectives basically that help you to put language to what you're feeling on the inside. And again, when we, when a lie is exposed, it loses its power. So when we listen to, when we, when we have words to put language to what we're experiencing, it gives it the why behind the what. It, it solidifies something that takes the pressure off of us feeling like there's something wrong with us or that um, this thing is impossible to figure out. And it lands it and plants it in a place where now you can overcome it. So I highly, highly, highly encourage that. I could talk about that for an entire episode. But Wheel of Emotions, look it up. It'll help you. Okay, last section. How to process anger and how to heal. When you're angry, you can deal with your feelings through, uh, I, they say three, but I say four different ways. So one is expression. This is what we want to do. This is the act of conveying your anger. Expression ranges from a reasonable, rational discussion to a violent outburst. Obviously, we don't want the latter. Communication, um, it's, it's what we want to do, y'all. So you express it. You maybe don't go so quick off the draw. Wait till your emotions subside a little bit and then you confidently and respectfully communicate. This takes the person being confronted, curating a safe space for the person who's angry to speak as well as the person who wants to communicate their emotion, being able to do so in a respectful manner. Number two, suppression. This is an attempt to hold in your anger and possibly convert it into more constructive behavior. This is what nines do a lot. 
Suppressing anger, however, can cause you to turn your anger inward on yourself. Twos do that a lot. Or express your anger through passive aggressive behavior. Not cute. We all hate when everybody else does it. So just try and become aware of when you're doing that and find a positive coping strategy to channel basically that suppression, which is number four. Um, So we'll get there in a second. Number three is calming down. This is when you control your outward behavior and your internal responses by calming yourself, letting your feelings subside. So say, hey, babe, I'm going to go for a walk for 20 minutes. I will be back in 20 minutes. I'm feeling an emotion right now. I think I need to process this a little bit before I bring something up. Okay, so go for a walk or go for a lift at the gym, but setting a specific time period and communicating through that is really important so that you don't trigger someone else's feelings of resentment or abandonment, rejection, all those no-nos, okay? And then number four, as promised, channeling the suppression. So um, taking the emotion and using the energy for something more productive. Walking, working out, painting, writing music, journaling, cleaning, calling a trusted friend and processing with them first. Ideally, you'll choose constructive expression, stating your concerns and needs clearly and directly without hurting others or trying to control them. A key here is that both parties have to take time to calm down, create a safe space to be heard, and have invited rational thought in to set the best atmosphere for success. Okay, so I'm so excited that we got through this today. I know this is kind of heavy. It kind of is, okay? But I invite you to let the God of heaven love on you through your experience Um, I cast away just any shame or guilt that you might feel right now because of what times that you have not handled anger, probably in a great way. (laughs) And I just invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to grow and to speak to you in a way that gives you a ton of grace and just walks you through side by side how to deal with this from now on. You know, we, we can't be held responsible for the things we don't know, but now you know. And now we can move forward and now we can walk in this beautiful step-by-step together. Um, You and God together as he whispers the plans and wisdom in your ear as you pursue him, as you invite him into this area of your heart, not just your heart in general, but you're like, no, I want you to work on this. I want you to work on my anger, my shame, my anxiety, and just say, Lord, take my life and do something with it. I'm not perfect, but I thank you that your grace is sufficient for me and my weakness. And when I'm weak, you're strong. So I'll leave you guys with that today. You guys are killing it. You are conquering the world day by day. I'm so proud of you for getting through this podcast. Please send this to a friend. This is some deep stuff, you guys. I pour out my best stuff for you. I leave for Miss USA next week. Um, So please be praying for me. I'm praying for you guys. It's going to be an amazing week. And everybody tune in to Miss USA Live on the FYI channel or FYI app. Or I've been told that you can download like Dish or Hulu Live or YouTube Live, do a seven-day free trial. And uh, anywhere where they have the FYI channel, And then prelims will actually be streamed live on the Miss USA Facebook page. November 6th is prelims and it's live on FYI November 9th, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Pacific. Do not miss it. You will see your girl there. Share this with a friend right now, right now, right now. And I would love it, please, 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 if y'all could write a positive review on Apple Podcasts. That would mean the world to me. Give us five stars so we can continue to reach more powerhouse people all all over the world. And with that, we'll see you guys next week and be praying for me at Miss USA. Woohoo! Bye, guys. 
Well, hey everyone, this is a little bit different of an ending if you are still here listening with us. Um, I just wanted to take a second to thank you so much for being a part of our podcast family. Wow, it has been such an incredible and crazy year of 2020. And I just wanted to take a second to appreciate you, to acknowledge you. You know, we've talked about some really hard things over the course of this year, and I just hope that every single week that I can be an encouraging and uplifting and motivating voice for you to help you get unstuck from whatever point A you feel like you're totally stuck in. And I want to help you to really dream again for what that would look like for you in your future. And so kind of in closing, I just wanted to pray a blessing over you. God, I thank you for every single person listening to this podcast. I pray that you uplift them spiritually, physically, financially, mentally, relationally, and emotionally, and that you are changing the trauma of their past, helping them in their present, and gloriously just showing them that you have a beautiful hope and a future for them. And last but not least, I just ask that if any of you are prayer warriors, that you just send up a prayer to God for me. I compete for Miss USA in just a couple weeks. Thanks so much for being a part of the family, the powerhouse family. Love you guys so much, and we'll see you next week.